The following presentation is brought to you by KMmedia.pro. Please visit KMmedia.pro for more information. Now stay right where you are as we present. Welcome to Positive Talk Radio, evolving ideas, one conversation at a time. Great guests, dynamic stories and interviews, plus new thoughts on a wide range of topics and concepts. I hope that you'll hang with me, Kevin McDonald, my friends, and of course, you, as together we work to understand why we are all here and what we can do to make our world a better place for all of us to be happy, be kind, and live in peace together. Yep, that's Positive Talk Radio. Everybody, another episode. No, you know, no, no, don't adjust your set. You're, you're not being double. It's okay. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, my name is Kevin McDonald, and this is Positive Talk Radio. And over there is the Reverend Rob Lee. Um, and he's co-hosting today because... We have a very special guest today. He's an author, and uh, he is knows quite a bit about the subject that we're going to talk about today, as does Reverend Rob. And uh, he's written the book called Breaking Bipolar. And uh, I, if you've got an issue, if you think you, you have an issue or a friend, get the book. It's a, it's a very helpful way of understanding it. And one of the reasons why Reverend Rob is here is he's got a master's degree in social work and has been and has dealt with a lot of bipolar people and issues and and lots of lots of um, um, uh, destructive issues that, that people do. But first, I want to introduce. Well, first, uh, Rob, welcome to the show. How are you? I am awesome. Thank you. Bangarang. What you put out is what you get back. <laughs> there we go. I am great. How about you? I'm awesome, thank you. I love bangerang. I've got to, I've got to incorporate that somehow. But you say it so much better, bangerang, bangerang. Yeah, you know it's it's amazing, and I think Troy's going to talk about you know taking control, your intentions, where are you going to lead, and I'm anxious to see where this goes. I I appreciate Troy writing a book for people to help them with this. This is this is bigger than what people know, and not only that, it is. A personal story of his, so he knows this intimately because he has lived it. And Troy Stephen, how are you, my friend? Good, Kevin. Thanks. Thanks for having me on the show. Well, and thank you for writing the book. I think it will be very helpful to a lot of people, both people who have experienced bipolar disorder and other people who love people who have experienced bipolar disorder. And so we want to talk about all of that. Um, so I guess I would ask the, the first thing is, is tell us a little bit about your story of, uh, of your life story and how it has affected you over your lifetime. Sure. I'll tell you a little bit about myself and then back, backtrack to when I experienced bipolar disorder for the first time, but I'm an Indiana boy. I went to Purdue university, got an engineering degree, and then got my master's degree in engineering from North Carolina state. Um, I was born in 62, got married when I was 29, uh, moved to North Carolina. I have four children. Um, I worked as an aerospace engineer for over 20 years. And then when COVID hit, I um, started a publishing company. I've published 26 books. 
So the first time I experienced a bipolar episode was in 1993. Um, ended up checking myself into a psychiatric hospital. I was there about three weeks, um, got heavily medicated. I had a bipolar break while I was in the hospital. You know, it was kind of a mania attack. Just uh, hallucinations, being paranoid, didn't know what was going on with myself. And, you know, I was medicated since then. Um, I've, I've learned to be able to control my disease pretty good. I'm always leery of it, but I'm overcoming it now. I feel like I'm optimal in my life. Um, I had two more episodes, you know, where I ended up in the hospital involuntarily commitment in first in 2005 and then in 2015. I uh, got on the right medications and started following a plan to be able to overcome the illness, a whole life wellness plan. And I've been good since 2015. And now I live in sunny Satellite Beach, Florida. Hey, you're we're right around the corner from each other. Holy crap, I moved from Melbourne Beach to Vieira. So uh, uh brother, we are we are yeah. So all I gotta do is go that way and see <laughs> and, and run into you. So congratulations. One of the one of the first things I want to say thank you is number one, showing people that you can have extended periods of just being in control of your life and whatnot, but that it does take a plan. So thank you. Can I, can I ask you a question? What do you mind explaining what, because I know you said you're always leery of it. It's scary. What does one of those manic were now? Were you hypomanic or were you hypermanic? I was actually manic. I have bipolar one. Okay. So bipolar one. Okay. Mania so, and depression. Tell me, can you give us an insight? Because for those of us that don't suffer from it, okay, it's a hard thing to understand. Can you let people know what it feels like to be in the middle of a manic episode? Yeah, for me, it, it starts out slowly where um, I feel like I'm really cognizant I know what's going on with my life. I, I really get along with people well. Everything starts going good, you know, kind of ramps up. And before I know it, I'm into an episode where I start to be paranoid, have hallucinations. Um, and if I don't do something quick, like calling my psychiatrist and getting an adjustment in my medication, then it skyrockets. And I ended up two times in 2005 and 2015, when I got to a certain point, I told myself, I'm not going to, I'm going to stop taking this freaking medicine because it's holding me back. I'm not being my optimal self. You know, I got to do something about my life. And both of those instances, when I quit taking my medication, I ended up in the hospital. Gotcha. So kind of a slow ramp up and then it goes faster and faster until I'm in, you know, high blown mania. Yeah, people don't realize with any medication, you should never just stop taking it because it can have adverse reactions, especially with antidepressants. They're on some some of them require loading doses, some of them take a while to get into your system, and then your body starts 
needing it. And then when you come off of it, that I experienced one time, I had to go on antidepressants so I could share a little bit. And I didn't like some of the side effects. So I just stopped taking it. And I walked into my doctor's office. I was bawling, crying, everything. And he just looked at me and said, when did you stop taking your meds? You know, I was like, well, that didn't take long, you know? And uh, so again, what he did was he just started backing me off of it. You have to come off of it in controlled doses. And that's most medicines. So, you know, please, folks, if you're listening, that is something very important to take away from this. You can't just self-medicate. And that's and we think by coming off of it, I think people lose the idea that they're self-medicating by quitting taking medicine. What do you think, Troy? Yeah, I mean, a lot of self-medication for bipolar people is substance abuse, like alcohol and drugs, marijuana. I smoked marijuana for years and years. Um you know, medicine, like you were saying, one of the weapons in my battle plan is optimize your medication. And like you were saying that you go to your doctor and, you know, I was, I would always go in there, like took me a long, long time to find the right meds, but I would go in there. Like, I'm not satisfied. This is what's going on with me. I need to change my meds. And so when that happens, like you said, if I was like on three different medications, I've tried 15 or 20, then he would say, okay, I'm going to give you a new medication and take you off this medication. The medication you're going off of, in terms of being able to optimize your meds, you have to, there's a ramp down stage, like you were saying, you know, you're taking 400 milligrams and then he tells you, you go to 200 milligrams, wait a couple weeks, go to 100 milligrams, wait a couple weeks. So it's, it takes a long time for you to get go out of your system. And at the same time, you're on a new medicine and he starts you out at hundred milligrams let it go for two weeks and two weeks, you know, go to 400 milligrams. And then two weeks later, come see me. So this is a long drawn out process. And it's, it's gotta um, be frustrating as hell. Yes. So, so I got to ask you, Troy, the first time that this happened, what did that do to you? What was that? What did that feel like? Did, did, were you prepared for all of the, everything that went on with it because that, that had to scare the hell out of you. Yeah, it did. Um, I was working at the time, but then I started getting paranoid and having hallucinations. My wife's a nurse and, you know, we weren't getting along that great at the time. And I had hallucinations like she was giving me shots when I was sleeping because my back kept hurting. So I started sleeping in my lazy boy hallucinations, paranoia. I had two, two young kids and it got to a certain point where I was starting to feel dangerous. So I decided to drive to Florida and, you know, hang out at the beach and try to hold up in the motel, figure out what's going on. I got a couple hours out of town and I said, I, I'm going to, I can't leave my children. I'm going to miss my children. So I went back to Raleigh, North Carolina, went to the emergency room and told them what was going on. And they transported me to a psychiatric hospital. And then it got ugly, real ugly, where I had a psychotic break, heavily medicated, um, you know, and after that, you you lose all, you know, judgment of yourself. You're, what the hell happened? You know, something's wrong with me. And when you're on, after they heavily medicate you and you get out of the hospital, your hands are shaking, you know, you're, you're, you're slow in thinking and you know, you're trying to deal with what happened, 
in terms of, okay, now I'm back and trying to, you know, heal things with my wife and my kids. And so it was a tra traumatic experience the first time around and even the second couple of times around, but. Well, again, I'd like to thank you very much for writing the book and uh, doing what, doing what, shedding some light on something that really is an important topic. And I know Rob, you've you've experienced a lot of the same thing with substance abuse and and with bipolar people and and that sort of thing. So, uh, yeah, go, go ahead. now what Troy was saying is exactly right. A lot of people go to self medication, and and this is going to be a problem. That's it's going to go more mainstream where if you don't have insurance, you can't get to your meds, you run out of meds. Um, you know, you've got to find a clinic and some type of program because there's a lot of people out there fighting with the cost of the medication or being able to actually get the medication and they want to take the medication, but they can't get to it. So they find something, somebody goes here, try this. All right. I know in dealing with a lot of um, uh, opiate addicts, okay, a lot of them did not wake up that morning and go, hey, let's become an opiate addict today, you know? But a lot of their stories begin with, I hurt my back. I hurt this. I hurt that. But I can't afford these, my painkillers anymore. Or then the doctors went into this, oh, we're giving out way too much. But they didn't wean them off. They just stopped giving it to them. So they had to find something, and they did, and it winded up destroying their life. So they're trying to overcome it. I mean, what, Troy, what do you feel is something that people that are dealing with somebody that has uh, bipolar one or two, what do you think is important that they need to know in dealing with somebody that's diagnosed with this? I think they need to, you know, their partner or, or you know, husband or wife have no idea what the person's going through. They need to learn about it. Um, maybe go to some support groups that they have support groups for people that are, you know, have someone that they know or love that is bipolar. Um, I think they should recognize that sometimes bipolar people get violent and so if some of that's going on they need to distance themselves from them um, and then you know just uh don't be judgmental talk to your person that's bipolar and say what's going on you know how does it feel like what can i do to help that kind of stuff gotcha okay i'd like to ask the two of you that the because i i don't I'm not bipolar. I've never had any of that. I think I know some people that have been bipolar, but I don't know. They've been not diagnosed. The first question I have is how many people are walking around in this country that are not diagnosed with bipolar yet have got behavioral issues, highs and lows and, and, and all of that, that, that makes it, it makes it a difference in the people's lives that are around them but they've never gone to the point that they weren't having to be hospitalized but they are still bipolar what exactly describe what exactly and i'll, I'll ask both of you what, describe exactly what bipolar is um and why why is it so pervasive and why do some people medicate 
and not have to worry about it. But what is it exactly? Troy, take it, man. You you lived it. So and did the research, put the book together. You take this one. It's bipolar disorder is a mental disorder that um, it's not something that you can just get rid of or not treat or, you know, deal with. It's not going to go away. You're going to have to figure out how to deal with it. Um, but it's just, you know, it's, you know, they have different mental disorders and bipolar is definitely one of those. Um, it's a, sometimes a lot of times it's inherited from your parents or your grandparents. You know, if you look back in your family history and you're bipolar, you probably come across someone that was bipolar as well. So it's um, it's definitely by a, a definitely a mental disorder. <laughs> and and Kevin, one of the things is you know that we've been using the word mania, things like that, feelings of euphoria. Okay, uh, just being up, less need for sleep. One of the things you can we can look these up. They're right online, and by all means, when you're looking it up, go to DSM. It's uh, Diagnostic Statistical Manual 5, I think. I don't know if the 6 has come out yet or not. That's what it takes medically to be diagnosed. And this is like, you know, going days without sleeping because you're hyper, all right? Um, and then crashing. It can turn in from a hyper to a hypo where all of a sudden you're sleeping for three, four days, you're crying. And a lot of times with some of this, there's a huge depressive episode that goes with it. So again, those of you dealing with where I say there's a lot more people out there that have it than what have been diagnosed with it, again, because of insurance and whatnot. Um, And think about mental health and the importance. It's just now coming to you know how important mental health is but a lot of insurance companies still don't want to pay for it you know when you look at your medical benefits and you say you know well if i'm having a medical episode you know a a mental health episode they may only cover six visits you know you may have certain out of pocket it's not because it is it's so it's different than i have a broken bone i can expect this to be healed and X amount of time. You know how insurance companies like to deal in those solid numbers. Mental health, you can't do that. And 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 this is it. So then when you talk, when you throw hallucinations and on top of it, they're out to get me. Paranoia. Um, you know, I'm hearing voices, things like that. This thing is no wonder people turn to street drugs to deal with it. If they don't know what they've got, how they've gotten it, or whatnot. It, it's crazy. You know, uh, Troy, before the show, you had mentioned a number, and I'd like for you to talk about it. Um, people with bipolar, because it's not something you're diagnosed with in an autopsy. Okay? So, Troy, you had mentioned the suicide rates amongst bipolar people. Yeah, the, the statistics show that 20% of people who are bipolar commit suicide and 20 to 60% commit or attempt suicide once at least once in their lives. So it's it's That's a deadly horrible. disease. If, sure. I, I wanted to backtrack to the 
prescriptions cost of med medication, I would recommend people take a look, look at goodrx.com. There's one medication I take, Seroquel, 400 milligrams a day. Um, if I didn't, I don't have, in, you know, in medical insurance, but it was going to cost me $400 a month for the Seroquel. There and you using, go. Using GoodRx, it's like $35 a month. So that's a good good place to look, you know. To get, and that, the name out. of that again is? Let's get that out. It's GoodRx.com, G-O-O-D-R-X. Great app. Great app. I use it for people going through medically assisted treatment for addictions when they had to start paying for their meds and they went off of a government program so they could find it or whatnot cheaper. It's, it's, a, it's a great app. Um, okay. So is, guys, I got, I got a question for both of you. And because this has been stirring around my family uh, for forever. Now, my, my, my older brother, who has since passed, he, he married a gal, and I won't use her name, but he married a gal twice. And their, their, their routine would be like, they'd be together and he, he would say, she's amazing. She's upbeat. She's positive. The sex is amazing. We have an, an awesome time. It's terrific. The next thing I would know, she was calling the police on him and having the police come over to the house and kick him out of the house. So he'd go back to his house and they would, then they would not talk for a week or two and then she would show up at his house with a casserole dish of spaghetti an overcoat and nothing else is that is that bipolar or was she just just kind of just odd you know what would that would what in the professional world we would say you gotta rule it out okay it, it would be a rule out there used to be a little notation we used to put on it on a on a diagnosis, it's rule out bipolar or rule out depression, whatever. You certainly would be like, mm, "There's your, there's your episodes, okay." And then how how deeply she goes in to, uh, you know, to depression or whatnot. What's happening? That's where we determine one or two, or if she's actually qualified for it at all. So imagine somebody that's right on the cusp. Because insurance companies want to see a number to be diagnosed with it. And if you don't match that number, the doctor's not going to write your script. So how many people are out there on this borderline, but they don't meet the diagnosis? So, I mean, wow. You, you know, um, there's not a medical test for bipolar. There's not a blood test. It's all based on your moods and tracking, you know, highs and lows. So there's really, you go to see a psychiatrist, he's going to ask you a bunch of questions and try to ascertain what's going on with you. And there's probably like a script he follows. Is this person bipolar or not based on all his questions, but there's not a medical test. So it's hard to say, you know, it's hard to tell somebody they're bipolar and for them to believe it. Well, and, yeah. and in her case, she would, she would, say no i'm just in a bad mood or, or but she would go through the period of depression and and also by the way and i want to ask both of you this she was also very promiscuous when uh he when she kicked him out she would only come back after she'd exhausted the people that she had met in between that she wanted to try and have a relationship with so 
there's promiscuity and 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 sex and 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 highs and 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 lows and you love somebody one day and you hate them the next day is that all part of it absolutely i've been very promiscuous in my life <laughs> yeah so it, it goes along with bipolar i've tried but it hasn't worked out well <laughs> <laughs> you know well look who you look like um you know it's one of those things <laughs> Sorry, uh, you know, I, I'm I went to very well mind and and dot com just to see you know make sure I had my my head in the right game. Yeah, and one of the first things there for about mania going for manic episodes of increased sexual desire. So yeah, because again, think about it too. It's your brain is just completely out of control, and a lot of times the you inside doesn't like it so you're trying to do things just to feel like you're there in control and part of yourself you know i would like to take i'm, I'm going to do my due diligence here i want to tell people as we talk about this subject remind people check out troy's book but also if you're battling some of this um in most cities and and states now there's a 211 number you can call and they can help you find help uh, for depression, for things like that. But if you are in a manic state and, you, and, and you're considering suicide, 1-800-273-8255. 800-273-8255 is the National Suicide Hotline. Please, we can't discuss this without getting that number out there. So, uh, all right. That I just, I just felt like that that needed to be said for our people. Troy, what drove you to write this book? I mean, was it, you know, needing to, which side were you trying to help? Everybody? Um, definitely everybody and myself. Um, so I'm an engineer, so I wrote the book. It's a self-help book, and it has a kind of a process that you follow, a plan of attack. And so, I, you know, I always wanted to write a book. I love to read, always wanted to be an author. Um, you know, I was working as an engineer and then they tell you, you know, if you're going to write a book, write what you know about. So I decided to write about bipolar. That's, uh, thank you for doing it. And there are going to be plenty of other people out there. Where can they find your book? It's available on Amazon and Barn Barnes and Noble, a lot of iTunes. So I have an ebook, paperback, and a hardcover, and an audiobook, all on Amazon and Audible. Um, awesome, awesome, awesome. So, when you do, you feel like you've beat it, or you're just managing it? Where Where are you at with your bipolar? I think I'm beating it. Um, you know, my life is great. I could see the beach from my windows. Um, I feel like I'm thinking optimally. I published 26 books in two years, but I'm always cognizant that if I, it could come, come and get me, you know, I need to be aware that if I start having symptoms, um, don't let them go on too long, but ask for help. One thing that's helped me a lot is I belong to a bipolar support group. I, I have the uh, Depression and Bipolar Support Alliance. It's uh, DBSA. You could Google it online and 
you could put in your zip code and you'll, you'll see meetings in your area. But support groups have helped me a lot, you know, and a lot of times, you, you know, I got out of the hospital. I, you don't want to go to a meeting, you know, like this isn't going to help me. But every time I went to a meeting and came home, I was like, I'm glad I went. Support groups are, are, are amazing for many different things, grief, alcohol, drug use, things like that. Sometimes we just need help. And I, I remember hearing people, Rob, I don't want to go to a group for the rest of my life. Well, but you know, sometimes that's what we need. We need a help. What, what, you know, you were dealt, you weren't dealt a square hand and you got to, you, you got to deal with it. And sometimes you just need to find people going through the same thing and hear what they've done. And I, I, I'm so glad you wrote the book um, and that people have a chance to get to it. That's, that's just amazing. You know, Kevin, you were also asking about uh, how many people I looked up the odds and what they're talking about is like, one in 120, a oh, little less that, yeah. I, I mean, when you think about it, a little less than 1% of the whole population, and that's a big freaking number, but that number jumps to 8% if your parents had it. So, if, yeah. well, you know, what's interesting about that is that, first of all, your first episode, Troy, happened in the 90s. Uh, times are different now. I mean, I keep on thinking to myself, the 90s wasn't that long ago. That's almost 30 years ago. Um, and and so the times were different then than they are now, and their perception is different different about mental uh, disorders or mental disease or or illnesses of that kind. Are you have you found that over time that it is people are becoming more accepting of the term? They're less um, feeling like it's it's a a failing of some kind that it's just a chemical imbalance are you finding that people are, are a lot more aware of uh of mental disease and how where it comes from rather than being something that's shrouded in mystery and people don't know what it is and that are you feeling a little bit more comfortable in that um i would say that a lot of well a lot, these days a lot of people are coming out and saying they're bipolar Kanye West, Demi Lovato, Halsey, John Cloud Van Damme. A lot of famous people in the past were thought to be bipolar, like Theodore Roosevelt, Abraham Lincoln. Um, you know, the bipolar gene, I guess you could call it, is cre there's creativity is part of it. So when you're, when you, especially when you go into mania, you know, a lot of famous people and Ted Turner, um, you know they they've helped the world a lot and been able to come over you know overcome the disease go ahead rob no so i was going to say troy what would you if you could only tell somebody three things about bipolar what would be your one two and three what to help them somebody with bipolar like how to spot it what to do about it what what would be your top three this is what you got to do. My, my top one would be if even if you don't know you're bipolar or you are bipolar, that if you start ramping up and having an episode, get help as quickly as possible. Talk to your psychiatrist. Um, I, I have something in my book. One of the weapons is called a contingency plan that that's, I put in writing. There's a form in my book you could fill out. But part of my plan is. 
I have a team, my psychiatrist, my oldest daughter, Rachel, and my uncle Bud, and they're well aware that's what's going on in my life. They, they know what's going on. You know, my dad was bipolar. They knew him. So if I get into trouble, that's one part of the contingency plan is to call somebody and get some help. To um, set up a safety plan. Yeah, because you can't shake the number. 20% of people try to commit su- or commit suicide who are bipolar. I would have to divulge that I did in 2005 after I had a big episode, went off my medications. I took a bunch of pills. I luckily got, went to the hospital and, um, you know, survived. So that's a just, it's an ugly disease. You got to, you know, that's number one for me is to do that. Number two would be, I like to say the, the motto, bipolar, heal thyself. So if you're bipolar, you, you have to take complete responsibility for the illness, learn all you can about it, have these plans in place for safeguards. Uh, I think you need to have a whole life wellness plan that you follow. That's why I call my book, The Battle Plan, consists of um, optimizing your medications, having a contingency plan, training your mind, read, you know, read books from self-help gurus like uh, Napoleon Hill, Think and Grow Rich, um, Miguel Ruiz, The Four Agreements. So make use of self-help techniques to train your mind, um, you know, because you need to have your, the, the thing about training your mind is when you're having a big episode, your, your mind's out of control. So hopefully what you learn will keep you from having an episode. And the third thing I would want to say is that, you know, I'm doing good. A lot of bipolar people are able to manage the illness. Catherine Zeta-Jones, for example. Don't give up on your dreams, you know. Just don't give up on your dreams. You can make them come true. You really can. You know, in fact, when you're bipolar and all this bad stuff has happened, then it, it should make you go after it that much harder when you're when you're doing well. You know, and thank you for saying that, because a lot of it is you can either lay down and and just get knocked down, or you can say, this is the hand I've been dealt, and I'm going to have to deal with it. And and there are literally, when you start looking them up, there are hundreds, if not thousands of very successful, popular people that have dealt with bipolar disease. And what's really sad to bring that 20% number into light, when you start bringing up lists, you will not bring up a list that you won't have one or two people in there that you recognize for committing suicide. Ernest Hemingway. You know, it, 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 it's, it's amazing. And uh, so, yeah, that's, Wow. And that whole, you can handle it. Healing is a powerful thing. I got a question for you both. Can you, is, is there a way, is there a medication that, because, you know, we're talking about creative people. And mm-hmm. sometimes when people are in their, in their high stage and they're, and they're feeling good and that's when they're most creative. Now, can we kind of just get rid of the, is, is there a pill or a medication that we can take to get rid of the downside and keep the positive side? That's the crux of the matter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's why people go off their meds. No. 
And a lot of times that's the leading thing I've heard about why they went off their meds. They stopped feeling their, their emotions were muted or whatnot. Did you find that to be so Troy? Yeah. And, and they just want to feel alive again. So they go off their meds and for a little while, like they're sitting across from me and they're bawling and they're crying, but they're happy because, wow, I actually feel whatnot. But then three days later, I'm getting a call that my person is in the psych unit. Okay. So it is just like what Troy said. I'm, I'm, I'm glad it's somebody stepping forward. We need more people like Troy to say, hey, this is it. Are there other ways, you know, I know a lot of people with holistic medicines and things like that that don't believe in meds. There are some physical conditions that do require actual medication. And I feel like bipolar is one. Do you have to stay on it forever? Maybe not. If you can find a way to control it and decrease using mindfulness, meditation, but it's a constant state of awareness, like Troy said, where he has to stay aware of what's happening in his life. And a lot of people don't want to live that way. So sometimes it's just better to stay medicated. So yeah, I wish there was an up and down med, but no, or just an up med, but no, there's not, not yet anyways. Yeah. Certain meds work for someone and certain different meds work for others. But I would say to the people listening that some people can hit, can manage their bipolar illness without medications by using supplements and eating right and and like that. So I, you know, if you're bipolar and I'm not telling you, you know, you have to take medications. In most instances, you need to, but some people are able to deal with it without the meds. Well, if you if you go down the rabbit hole in a matter like you're saying, Troy, that it can turn on a dime. And it, it, you could you could go down to depression very easily, and and very quickly. Then you you just have to be cognizant and just be aware. But when you're in that state, are you aware that you're going down, or is it just are you so wrapped up in the paranoia and the hallucinations and all of that that you don't you don't kind of you don't you at, at any point you don't say uh oh. Here I go again. It's just like you're there. Is that kind of how it works? Yeah, it takes, you know, a lot of times you don't realize that you're starting to ramp up into a manic episode. There, In my instances, I'll have a, there'll be a couple of weeks. I'm, I've been mania, quit going to work, call in sick. And I come to a certain point where I realize I need to call my psych, psychiatrist and get something adjusted in my meds. But if I like one time I tried to call her, left a message, couldn't get in that same day. And then when that happened, I just said, you know, the euphoria mania. I just said, OK, I'm I'm not going to worry about it now and just started getting more and more manic. Um, one thing I wanted to mention about a magic pill. I don't think there's a magic pill, but one part of my contingency plan is I talked to my doctor. I was having a manic episode and I. I went to see my psychiatrist, told him what was going on, you know, where I would be like, everything's fine. And then like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, everything went to went to heck where I started feeling like I was out of control, maybe dangerous. 
if I'm in a target shopping around, I feel like I got to run full speed out of the store. And he, I, when I told him about this, he told me one of my medications is Steroquel. Carry around a 400 milligram tablet with you in your pocket. And if this happens and you realize it's happening, take it right away. Chew it if you have to. You know, to keep from having disaster happen. You know, it's interesting about that is if you had a heart condition and you'd had a heart attack and they give you triglyceride, that if you feel like you're having a heart attack, take a, uh, put it under your tongue. Nobody thinks anything about that. Yet when we have to, when we have medication for uh, mental issues or chemical imbalances in the brain, it, and, and let me ask you, because that's kind of what I think it is. Uh, is this basically a chemical imbalance in the brain that they had, that the uh, person, had, the victim, I would call them, has no control over? I would say yes. It's definitely a chemical imbalance in the brain. And, that, and, and you're right. They have no control over it. A lot of this is this radical swing of emotions. And they really don't know why. That's the reason they can't test for it. Can't say it's chemical because they could pull a test and see, oh, these are out. This is out. You know, different things. You're literally going, and this is another problem with this disease. It's reliant on self-reporting incidents. So if you go into the to the doctor, you have to be open and honest and truthful with how much this is happening. A lot of people will go into the doctor and say, well, they tame it down. All right, Florida, conceal weapons permit. They're afraid, you know, oh, if I'm diagnosed with a mental illness, I won't be able to continue to carry my, my, my concealed weapons permit. So they don't tell the truth. Different things like this. And, 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 and we're all afraid. Think about being stamped with that as a stigma that you're seeing. And, and I'm glad that, Troy is using the term psychiatrist. And I strongly, and I think, Troy, I think you'll back me up in this, encourage people. Your first step is to go to your doctor. But you know, even with your car, if your transmission's out, you take it to a transmission specialist. You don't just let Joe Mechanic do it, okay? And with mental health diseases, they need... Because these medication, most doctors rely on about 26 meds A general for their whole practice. A general practitioner has to spread those meds out over everything he, he or she may see. A psychiatrist is all mental health. So think about the diversity in that, okay, and, and, and being willing to go to a psychiatrist. I have I have another question for you too because this is just this is a fascinating discussion. By the way, we're talking with Troy Stephen. He's written the book Breaking Bipolar. You can pick it up at Amazon and any of the major booksellers. And uh, it's really is important that you, uh, if you have somebody in your life that you think may have an issue, buy the book for them. Give it to them for Christmas or whatever. Um, but in 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 any event, if how does for for women especially uh, younger women less than i don't know 45 or whenever menopause hits how in, how difficult is the menstrual cycle and the uh and the uh does it play a role in it as far as the the hormonal shifts 
of what happens during the month for for people and for women does it does that play a role into their bipolar and can it trigger an episode can you, you i because i have a i have a friend who's like once a month she spends time losing her mind okay and and then she comes back and is okay now she's now has gone to a psychiatrist and has been prescribed medication for some of this but does that play a role it's almost like clockwork it's like once a month she'll lose her mind is that but can Troy do you, in your research does that play a role for women yeah that's that's uh, one of the triggers of a bipolar episode Aha. For, women, for women um you know there's other major tr triggers like lack of sleep uh a lot of people when there's more sunlight um people do better or might you know more sunlight could trigger a manic episode less sunlight could trigger a depressive episode and you know, i'm going to jump into this real quick and then get back to your question we haven't talked about depression with respect to bipolar disorder and that's mania people are more depressed when they're bipolar than they they, they are manic and more people commit suicide when they're depressed than when they're manic but yeah, um, that's definitely, and I think it's about an even split between men and women having bipolar, um, being diagnosed with bipolar disorder. Yeah, it does. It's not gender specific by any by any stretch. Okay, and and, and again, just like most things that are dealing with a trigger, an external trigger, trauma. Uh, getting put in a position, arguing, fighting, crying, uh, you know, being, being ramped up about something can trigger an episode where it starts, but people don't understand, you know, they're like, okay, you got mad, just calm down. And I, I constantly say, when in the history of calming down, has anyone ever calmed down by being told to calm down? It just doesn't happen. Okay. And, and, that's what a lot of people perceive it as, but they don't understand. It's like throwing that, turning the, hitting the, the NOS on a race car. It can, what some of those episodes can literally boost you into that. And thus, like uh, Troy said, with the depression as well. Uh, grieving, losing someone, losing a parent, losing someone very close, losing a pet. Um, a lot of those things can trigger it. That's why it's so, you know, if I had it and thank God I don't. Okay. If you ask one of my exes, she would say I did. It's one of those things where Troy's triggers might be completely different than my triggers. So that's the other thing is getting it individualized. So people can see the person rather than a one size fits all treatment. So what's the difference between postpartum depression and uh, bipolar? Uh, well, postpartum, their pregnancy has been involved, okay? It, Is that it, a major it, life event that can cause somebody to go into a manic or a depressive uh, state? And, and you know, if they if they have an underlying thing of bipolar and then you introduce a baby, uh, that, could be, that could be a great big problem. Right, and that gets into a whole series of when is the depression begin how long did it last uh 
that whole thing. So, and that's another thing that a professional has to sit down and go, are we dealing with postpartum depression or are we dealing with somebody that was bipolar if they were diagnosed beforehand? But it, it, it's just not easy. So it is one of those things, no matter what, when you start feeling that depressed or you start getting these manic episodes or mania, whatever it may be, it's time to talk to someone. Troy, would you agree with me that there are many, 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 many people wandering around our country who actually are have some degree of bipolar, but are non not diagnosed? Yeah, I would I would say that, um, you know, one thing that is very troublesome, I think 20 uh, percent of people in prison have have a mental illness, whether it's bipolar or not. So a lot of people are in prison because they have a mental illness where where they should be treated instead be tre treated, um, you know, not being in prison. So that's yeah, a, a lot of people with these episodes wind up in jail because of what they were doing, and nobody recognized it. They just saw criminal activity rather than, hey, this this person is in psychiatric distress. We need to get them to a clinic. And I'll, I'll give you an, an example of that. I recently interviewed a gentleman that that had a, um, a schizophrenic issue, and uh, he was on a fishing boat in Alaska. And I don't know if you know how that works, but they work like 12 on, 12 off, 12 on, 12 off, and whatever. It's very dangerous work. And he forgot his medication. Oh, and so crap. And so he ended up uh, uh, stabbing two people. And rather than when, when they took took him to court, uh, he was uh, charged with uh, assault and stuff. And rather than getting him the help that he needed necessarily, they put him in prison and he spent ten years in jail. Hmm. Um, and that didn't that didn't solve the issue. He was by you know it was because he didn't have the medication that he that he needed to take so that you know there's tons of stories like that and uh and that's why your work troy is so important that uh, people can have a workbook because and tell us more about the book it's actually a workbook right yeah it's um it is a workbook it's a battle plan comprised of nine weapons can make a contingency plan optimize your medication find the right psychiatrist Train your mind, train your body, um, how to recover from a bipolar episode. And then I have a section in there, what psychiatric or what psychiatric hospitals are like, what you can expect to, when you're in the hospital, you know, knowing what you can expect is very helpful for you, you know, stabilizing out and getting out of the hospital. And the final chap, final weapon is legal rights. For people who have a mental illness, um, American Disabilities Act. You know, if you uh, you could get fired and then have some recourse if you had a mental illness and you were fired because of it. So there's legal rights that are you know like also there's um, people can get like a loved one can have you involuntarily admitted to a psychiatric hospital. That's a legal thing there, right? So it's it's good to know about your legal rights. So this overall battle plan is really what a, a whole life wellness plan that's based on the expert recommendations of the medical community. And so that's what the plan in my book talks about. And I hope it helps a lot of people. 
as as do we the name of the book is breaking bipolar the author troy stevens get the book it's a great it, 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 it'll be a great help to somebody i wish my brother had it sort of for when his wife wasn't standing there in just uh, an overcoat uh, because then that's when the police got involved and it was it, it was really was an it was an ugly way to spend 20 years of his life because it was he was on the same and he didn't have bipolar but he was on the same roller coaster as she was oh yeah oh yeah they live it right along beside you and it's they it's, it it's right terrible along beside you terrible so troy thank you so much for being here we really appreciate having you today thank you i'll hold up a copy of my book there it is breaking bipolar how, well, how thank does you, it feel thank you very be, much how did well for, let me ask you how does it feel to be published off there oh it feels good it feels good um i'm writing another book that's going to be published pretty soon it's like a four by six little handbook with a lot of the concepts from this book that you can put in your pocket it's called after your bipolar disorder bipolar heal thyself That'll be coming out in a couple months. When it comes out, give me a call and we'll have you back on the show. Oh, great. Thank you. This is, this is, and you know, Rob speak to this. This is an extraordinarily important topic that we cover. Absolutely. Uh, mental health is something very near and dear to my heart because there's so much to it. And, and, and we've got to make people, you know, homeless people. We, we don't realize that everybody just drives by homeless people and think, oh, they're just bums. A lot of them are suffering because they can't hold a job. It's not their choice. But they've been, again, they don't have medication. They don't have things to it or whatnot. So thank you, Troy. That, yes, we need to, this needs to be addressed and it needs all the attention we can bring to it. But most importantly, people that suffer from it, they need to know there are other people out there and that there is hope. And Troy, before we go, I want to give you the last word to be able to say anything that you would like to about your book, yourself, anything, anything that works for you. I, I, you have an open mic. If you're bipolar, get help. Take responsibility for the illness, for treating your own illness, and never give up. No matter how far you come down and how many, how much you get beat up. Come get back on your feet and never give up. You can make your dreams come true. I couldn't have said that any better myself. Thank you so much. Bang right. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd also like to thank Reverend Rob Lee for uh, sitting into this episode. He is going to become a regular contributor, and we've got some announcements to make down the road. But, but uh, first of all, I'd like to thank you very much. You've added a great deal to the conversation. It was great to have you here. Well, thank you very much. I love being here. And boy, did you are you a good looking guy or what? Damn, <laughs> you know. I didn't think it was possible for there to be, you know, two like me, you know? Yeah, I me neither. And and so, you know, but it, it worked out fine. So Troy, get the get the book Breaking Bipolar. And uh and I want to thank you again. Troy Steven has been our guest and uh and he's going to make, you know, like a lot of our guests is going to make uh, changes in the world of the changes that we need, all of them. So thank you for doing the work that you're doing and, uh, and stay right where you are, gentlemen, and I'll be right back.
Thanks for enjoying this episode all the way to the end. Please give us a like and subscribe to this channel. This has been a production of KMmedia.pro. Please visit our website, oddly enough, named KMmedia.pro, for more details about us and our mission, which is to provide great, positive programming designed to inspire us all. I'm Kevin McDonald, and I'm proud of these shows, and I truly hope that you'll like them and share them with friends and family. So on behalf of our entire team, remember, be kind to each other, because each other's all we've got. We'll see you next time.